Why do you want her to teach her? Bible stories? When was the last time you actually read the Bible? Because I'd be curious to know which part of it speaks to you. The part that says women were made from the ribs of men? That lying with a man, as you lie with a woman, is an abomination? Or, best of all for you, that a woman who is menstruating is impure, and touching her makes you unclean. Is, is that what you want to preserve? Or do you just like the traditions? Is your Judaism a totally infantilized version that gives you the warm fuzzies? Because it reminds you of Poppy and being a little kid again. Some sugar-coated memories of a childhood that wasn't even that sweet. Because if I know you at all, I know there is no way you could read any of that stuff without having to modify a thousand and one sections and pretend not to see a thousand more until you water it down so thoroughly to make it palatable for your 21st century sensibilities that it barely resembles the original at all. I'm sorry. But I can't get worked up about preserving a totally watered-down version of something that wasn't even true to begin with. And I will not allow it to dictate how I live my life. Or who I choose to live my life with. So that I can genetically or biologically pass on something I don't even believe in. Okay, so stop. You know what? Let's all stop. Let's all decide right now. We're going to stop being Jewish. That's what you want? You think you're the first person to ever question it? Because I bet there were people before us who had questions too. But they kept practicing. They didn't stop. None of them did. And they didn't exactly have it easy, but they never stopped. And this thing that people in our family were doing in 1900, and in 1800, and in 1500, and in 200, and in 500 BCE made it all the way here to us. And that alone has to at least give you pause. And so now, when it's easier to be Jewish than it basically ever has been, now we should all stop. I can't. I can't. And if I know you at all, you don't want me to stop either. Because if I stop, if we all stop, then it'll be gone. And you can't get it back. Once it's gone, it... It's gone. I'm Elan Goodman. I play Liam in Bad Jews. And I'm Jenna Augen. I play Daphna in Bad Jews. You could say that both of them are good or bad Jews, I suppose. It's, it's, a, it's an ironic sort of a phrase, isn't it? Now, Daphna clearly thinks that Liam's a bad Jew, but maybe, maybe he thinks the same. So can I have your opinions of each other? That's a dangerous question <laughs> to begin with. Well, I just, I think uh, Daphna's... Yes, she's she's more obviously sort of the religious zealot. Um, she's very into be, being Jewish at this moment in her life. 
Um, and I think that's very much in focus today, especially of all days, because this is the day they lost, they buried their grandfather. And um, he was, of course, a survivor of the Holocaust. And I think a lot of her concern is is about, and, and in fact, with all of them, really, is how do we do justice to his memory? And it's just that they have conflicting ideas of what that justice is. Um, so she's very focused on her cultural heritage. And whereas, where are you coming from on this day? Well, just to perhaps directly respond to what Jenna was just talking about, I, and to the title, I don't think Liam is interested in trying to be a good Jew. That's not something he cares about. So um, he, he, he thinks that um, he accepts that he is Jewish, but isn't interested in pursuing it or um, cherishing the religious heritage in particular, and perhaps not even the cultural heritage. He's, he's not even particularly interested in going through the motions of certain religious festivals, for example, um, out of some sense of loyalty, which he would, f- or, or kind of out of some sense of tradition, which he would find um, ill-conceived. Um, because I think for Liam, it enshrines a whole set of values that he does not share, and and that for him means the whole thing is pointless. Um, so I, I, th- I think he, he's not interested in being a good Jew in the religious sense. In terms of on this day where Poppy has had the funeral and he's missed it, I think both of them, both Liam and Daphne, were very, very deeply, genuinely fond of their grandpa. And um, he meant a lot to both of them. And I think the, the, you know, the source of conflict in the play and what brings out the theme of the play is the different kind of meaning that Poppy had to, to, to Daphne and to Liam. So they, they both cared about him. They both cared about the experience, that the appalling trauma that he went through when he, he survived the concentration camp and he kept this high with him, the necklace with the religious um, letters at the end. Um, so so it, it means a great deal to both of them, but I, I, I think the, the emphasis is different. So for Liam, I can say that it's very much about the personal meaning of Poppy surviving um, and then what he did with the high, I want to replicate by using it to propose to my fiance because that's what Poppy did. So I'm honoring Poppy in that way. Daphne is... Uh... I think Daphne is very concerned. I think her main concern is that you can't separate the culture or the history from that object. And I think she she's just very convinced that that object needs to remain a Jewish object in a Jewish family and be passed to a, a, one of his grandchildren because that is what he has said, is that he would like it to go to the grandchildren. Now, we don't know which grandchild and we don't know exactly. That's the little sort of muddy area. Um, and then the play arises out of that muddy area. But um, her main argument is that you you can't lose the Jewishness from the item itself, yeah. and and you shouldn't. And we should probably should point out that Liam's fiance, this gorgeous girl, is a beautiful blonde wasp, so a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Mm-hmm. So it would be passing out of, of its Jewishness, wouldn't it? So I, I guess that is the flashpoint. Exactly, exactly. So for for me, the Jewishness is, for Liam, the Jewishness isn't the, isn't the issue. It's It's replicating 
what Poppy did with it and the way Poppy used it in a kind of personal, emotional, sort of intimate relationship. Um, and he and Liam, you know, naively and insensitively, in Elan's opinion, um, okay. uh, w- w- wants to use it to propose in the same way. That's right. And, and also, in Daphne's opinion, I think Poppy's use of it to propose to his future wife, he didn't propose to a non-Jewish woman. Poppy did marry a Jewish woman, and Poppy did raise his children Jewish, and he, and we have all been raised Jewish, I mean, to a lesser or greater extent within the play. So I think uh, I just wanted to point that out as well. Like, it, it is a slightly different um, use of that high, and I think Jonah actually has a line about that, um, that it's not... or. Well, there's a question. Is it the same thing? Yeah, exactly. And maybe that... I think it's incredibly clever of the playwright, Joshua Harmon, to to focus the argument on that and in these two amazing people going head to head. Now, I know that Jenna can talk for... I was going to say for England, but I suppose I mean America, uh, to make me totally sympathetic, where I didn't think I would be for Daphne. And there was a tiny bit there that I don't think you did sound... You must must be able to totally... um, get inside the head of and, and empathise with your character, obviously. So you just said that you actually thought that he was wrong. I can absolutely appreciate Liam's point of view. <laughs> I just yeah. would distinguish between myself and Liam. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, sometimes when we're having to defend the character, mm. I, you know, it's, it's not the same thing, right? Mm. <laughs> the character um, has a strong sense and absolutely believes uh, and seems to have memories of Poppy telling him that he was going to get the high and that he was owed the high. So, the, you know, he absolutely believes quite honestly and quite genuinely that it had always been intended for him and that he's actually cherishing Poppy's memory by using it in this way. It means a great deal to him. It's not that he's being contemptuous of it in any way. He values it very deeply. Um, he also values his secular liberal ideals very deeply and they, they're important to him. And so it would be nonsense to him to, 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 to try and cherish... Um, you know, for example, for the for the extract we did for you, Bible stories, values from the Bible, which are totally outdated, which even Daphne wouldn't subscribe to. So she's going to have to completely reinvent the the nature of Judaism if she or Judaism, we would say, I guess here, um, in American Judaism, um, mm-hmm. in order to still uh, be faithful to some sort of concept of what Judaism means in a in a contemporary age, while honouring a whole set of more contemporary values. Um, homosexual marriage, uh, you know, gender equality that, that are not uh, reflected in the tradition of the Torah, etc. Well, I have high hopes of um, uh, Daphne because we've, we've established that she's actually a reformed Jew and we know that there's an awful lot of gay reformed rabbis of both sexes, so I, 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 I think she's on her journey, probably. Well, her main, and the main thrust of her argument there is, is okay, then... You know, what I, actually what I'm asking is that we be allowed to evolve as we have been for 5,000 years. We are not adhering to the Bible in the same way. We are not adhering to the same traditions or the same traditional dress or the same, you know, no, none of that. Um, but it, I think her, again, her argument is that we, we should honor um, the tradition we come from, but also move it forward. Um, as it's been moving forward for thousands of years um, into the next generation. So not to completely lose it, but to um, adapt as it's been adapting. What's wonderful is that I think Joshua 
has both is arguing both opinions through you because I think he he says a lot. There's a lot to be said for both, and he's wondering, you know, I think, you know, what what is the point of the religion remaining? People not marrying out, for example, you know, in in this modern age, shouldn't we be a bit more inclusive? I think he is arguing that, but he's he's having a lovely time having a ding dong with himself through the two of you, which makes it sound like a sermon or some sort <laughs> of ideological tract or whatever. It just so isn't because your characters are so real, and terrifying, and scabrously funny, and rude, and. I've never seen insults fly about. I've never seen people attack each other on stage like that, both physically and verbally. So uh, let's talk about how that all happens and how very funny it is. Well, I, I think one of the things that is wonderful about when this play really works with an audience is that they sympathise with one character and then their sympathies switch. Both characters have incredibly strong, powerful points that they make and they both take each other's hypocrisy down in many, many ways and they're both shown up to, to you know, every now and then one of them behaves appallingly and they both take each other down for it. But but so, you know, they both have powerful arguments that, um, that impress and persuade and, and then they also behave appallingly and they also have their hypocrisy um, called out. Mm. Um, and so when it really works, the audience move between the arguments and, and their sympathies sort of oscillate. And I think that's kind of exciting because then it, it leaves the audience in a state of um, perhaps intense stimulation and uh, confusion as to, well, wh what do I actually believe? Where do I actually go? And and I think in, in many ways, Liam has the more, the argument that's more kind of in tune with contemporary values, right? So he's an atheist, liberal Jew, um, which uh, in a kind of liberal democracy, th those are the, these days are the kind of mainstream values, not necessarily atheism, but, but certainly a kind of uh, a secularism and a kind of liberalism. As we said, it oscillates and yeah, I, a lot of people do come out saying, God, oh, that woman, she's so opinionated. Because I, in a way, your corner is more difficult to defend. Although, as I said, I'm, I, you've won me over, which is very clever of you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did, I, I just, just so that you know, I, I did have this moment when I was watching the play when Jenna brilliantly reproduced, she said, without knowing she was doing it, the terrible smug smirk of the religiously convicted which I have seen so often, but she got it. I just thought it was very brilliant of you. So do you want to talk about your corner for a moment then? Oh, well, um, mm. I think she is very righteous, but yes. I think she's also very self-righteous. And so she's got those two things work, you know, so the self-righteousness works against her a bit. Um, I A bit, okay, I, just a bit. <laughs> just a bit. Just um, I, I think that um, just that's where the smugness comes from. And I think it's something that they both have actually because they both know that they're right and they both are she's self-righteous but so is he they really are two sides of one coin and uh and that's kind of how the play is structured and they both mimic each other's speech exactly you know i mean they use the same phrases sometimes consciously sometimes unconsciously um and they their brains work in a similar way and and their wavelengths are actually very similar so it's kind of i've always thought it was a bit sad for her because i think she's actually always looked up to liam and and has always kind of i i, I don't i don't know always had a something with him when when they've entered the room and I, and i know that they both now dislike each other 
intensely and he certainly dislikes her um for for good reason um but yeah i've always thought that actually they have more in common than either of them are really that willing to let on or or acknowledge but that connects them and their lines complement each other they you know they complete rhythmically each other's lines and the best part of it is when an audience switches exactly from one line to the next and they they get that point and then they get that point and they get that you know so that's the best yeah. there's, there's another card stacked against you Liam you missed the funeral because you were away on a skiing holiday with the, the lovely non-Jewish girlfriend and you dropped your phone and you're very affluent so there are some other cards that are stacked against you I don't mean it's a sin to be affluent I mean you know from 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 Daphne's point of view you've got this posh flat with your brother so I can see that it's quite hard work for where Daphne's coming from can we just talk about the two other characters? We do meet the gorgeous wasp and, and very gentle, mostly, Melody, um, beautiful blonde, and we do find out a bit about what Jen Jenna might just feel slightly overshadowed by her. And, of course, we meet Jonah, who's your brother. A kid brother? Yes, he's my younger brother, yes. Yeah. So uh, Joe Cohen plays Jonah, mm -hmm. and Gina Bramhill plays Melody, my fiancé. So... It is a balance play because there's that balance as well. There are two other characters, although Jonah is a, a gentle soul. Jonah's a much gentler soul than Liam. Uh, I, I definitely think Liam's energy is much more neurotic and aggressive and kind of intellectual uh, and sort of alpha. Um, and Jonah is much more laid back and relaxed. He's much more sort of emotional and, and instinctive, I think. Um, you know, he's he's also a bit of a... We think he's a bit of a sort of academic dropout um he's not doing very well at university um he he he's very chilled um and so i, I think he's also a, a little bit spoilt and a little bit mollycoddled so so you get both sides you get both he he is an he is a kind of um antithesis to liam that he's much gentler and much more kind of uh, softer inside i think um and that's lovely i think he's a little bit spoilt which comes out a little bit at the beginning when, when Daphne is teasing them about how rich they are and he just doesn't seem to have any perspective on it. Um, and, and then he, he ends up, um, without giving too much away, having a really crucial sort of impact on the play as a whole. I won't, I won't give too much detail away, but, but where, where it, his raw emotional connection feels is very movingly um, illustrated in contrast to the, the kind of intense intellectual verbose like cat fights that, that that Liam and Daphne have, he he's just got a very deep, emotional, instinctive sense of grief for for Poppy. You do feel slightly overshadowed by Melody. I mean, Daphne does. Uh, I don't think Daphne feels overshadowed by Melody, but I think she is massively insecure with with Melody's presence. I like uh, Melody is a is a person and a kind of girl that Daphne just can never be. And it's this this chip on her shoulder. I mean, she wanted to be a cheerleader in high school. We know that from what Liam says. And uh, it devastated her when she wasn't accepted in that way. Um, so now she's found her her sort of calling and her, her new thing. But I just think um, Daphne has a, a lot of chips on her shoulder. I, and I think um, that's one of them Melody is a, a young woman who would make Daphne feel quite insecure in general. Um, not intellectually. I, I, I think now that Daphne's found out that she's incredibly bright 
um, and uh, very, very, you know, um, verbally adept. Um, I think she she now knows that she can kind of run circles around people. But um, I don't. But I still think something very deep and very raw in her is is threatened um, when a beautiful blonde girl walks into the room, and um, and I think and a sweet blonde girl as well. That's that's intimidating to her because I don't think she understands her own emotional landscape yet very well. Um, and uh, and oh and also but also Daphna has this thing about the women that Liam brings home I mean they're never Liam does have a tendency to bring home safer easier less challenging women and I think now that Daphne is about to graduate from Vassar and she's left high school she has a, a real problem with that because um, Liam is so brilliant himself um, so I think she I think if he brought home an astrophysicist some part of her would be very threatened by that as well, but in a very different way. And I think she'd be impressed, you know, even just with him. I don't want an argument. We're not arguing, Woody. We're talking. It doesn't feel like talking. We're talking. I'm just getting to know you. Where you come from. I find it interesting. Really. Tell me. Uh, my mom, I think my mom is like... Dutch, Irish, maybe, and my dad's side is German. And there's a little Scottish or Welsh in there, too, I think. You think? But my family's... We're just American. Just American. <laughs> okay. But I really don't see why any of it matters, you know, like, where people come from. People are just people. People are just people. Wait, people are people. Like, it doesn't matter that you're Jewish. It doesn't matter I'm... that I'm Jewish? No. It doesn't matter? No. Well, it matters to me. Okay. It matters to me very much. Right, but... And it's mattered to hundreds of generations of my family. I know. But to you, meaningless. I wasn't. 5,000 plus years of battering, but not to you. No, that wasn't... And it really mattered to Poppy. I don't know what Liam told you, but it mattered to Poppy. A lot. He was... Can I, um... I'm thirsty. Is there something I could drink? There's water. Okay. I got it. Thank you. The other thing about Daphne is that she's been to Israel. She's is Israel right or wrong? And again, that's not something that um, Liam can accept. I don't think. I think you, you're you're on the other pole on that one. I think I wanted to sort of go on to where we are in the world today since the play was written because we it, it's got worse, hasn't it? More difficult. And, and that's been reflected in the play and its reception, hasn't it? Yes. It, Israel does not get debated in the play, really, um, in any detail. Um, so it, it certainly gets referenced. and But it mostly gets referenced in the sense that Daphne feels like she's a better, more Jewish person beca because she's been to Israel and because she's going, but she wants to go back to Israel and defend the homeland. But but it... it it doesn't get debated and taken up by Liam, which I think is a blessing because if you if you if you start straying into big arguments about Israel, um, well, it would be a whole other play, um, and it's just it's it doesn't focus on that. It focuses just more on the question of what do we owe our Jewish heritage um, when we have very different values. Um, how how do you have both? How do you respect it and also have m m more contemporary kind of aspirations? But. 
since it was written, I mean, when it was first performed in America, and I think there are productions all over America as we speak, and you, you first performed it in Bath, we have had this huge rise in anti-Semitism since, since last summer, you know, when, when you know, that, that particular, the Gaza initiative killed so many people, and, and Israel has such a bad press, and it's always, you know, allied to anti-Semitism. We've had all the dreadful events in France and so forth. So, and we've had, and you've had a poster campaign removed just because of the sensitivity of people looking at the words bad Jews. Um, and that's London Underground we're talking about, isn't it? So things have changed somewhat, haven't they? Yeah. I, I don't know how the audience reaction has changed, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, I mean, what, yeah. what we can talk about yeah. is that we had to change a line in response mm. to the fact that there has been this huge rise in anti-Semitism. Um, the line used to be, um, and so now when it's easier to be Jewish than it bas- than it ever has been in the history of the world, now when it's safest, now we should all stop. And actually we've changed it to, um, and so now when it's easier to be Jewish than it basically ever has been, now we should all stop. We had to take out the safest mm-hmm. portion of that line because um, we were we were in previews at the St. James and we got a little sort of gasp uh, whenever that was said because it was right in the wake of the um, the Paris attacks. So that had to be, and, and Josh also felt like it was no longer true. Yeah, which is extraordinary and sad fallout, isn't it? You know, on stage from these dreadful events. So, and as I say, there, there is this huge sensitivity about, you know, people misunderstanding what the title means, what the posters mean, and thinking maybe it's some anti-Semitic insult. Oh, bad Jew. So that you've had to sort of contend with all that. Yes, and uh, I think the the poster ban on by TFL on the underground and on buses was it has dented the show a little bit, perhaps. But um, we got a flurry of attention because of it, and you, you know, some, the newspapers were interested in that, and then we got a little a little spot on BBC News. So it works both ways, you know. Having the ban, it got got another little uh, flurry of attention for us. Um, but but ultimately, Jewish audiences. Um, very much enjoy it. We've we've discovered. In fact, they enjoy it m- most of all b- because they often recognise s- uh, strains and, and personalities in their own families and arguments that they've had and you know divided loyalties and stuff. And it's lovely when people come up to us and say, "Oh my goodness, you were exactly like my cousin," you know, or whatever. And they really identify with some of the characters and the situations. Yeah. And, of course, there must be lots of non-Jewish people who come to see it as well. I mean, look at the critical responses it's had, and very few critics are, are Jewish. Yeah, I mean, we've been very lucky. It, it's and Again, I, I mentioned this before, it, it started in Bath, where there was a very limited Jewish audience, um, and we still had a wonderful response there. And, you know, it was it was similar laughs. I mean... It, the show has grown since then, but really the laughs are pretty much in the same places. And now there are, there are some more because we've found some more laughs. But like, uh, but in Bath, really the same response and, and same, well, maybe not the same, but but same sensitivity to the last bit of the play, and uh, which again, no spoilers or anything, but mm. same sensitivity to those issues and those flashpoints. Right, so do we look forward to an Israeli production? Uh, I, I, I think there probably will be an Israeli production. We've certainly had some people from Israel in to watch the show um, on our press night at the St. James Theatre. We had the Israeli cultural attaché um, who came to watch it. Perhaps he was just checking what we were up to, yeah. <laughs> what what Bad Jews was all about, in case they needed to do anything about it. Um, but I think they were happy. <laughs> um, and I think we've had one or two artistic directors 
who, who work in Israel who have been come to check it out. And uh, I get the impression they're perhaps interested in doing a production themselves.